Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's tray? Is your definition of self-care getting to close the door when you pee? If the only chance that you get for exercise are the squats that you do to pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne Crosley, psychotherapist, self-care enthusiast, and seriously imperfect mom of two kiddos. This is Mama Bites. and welcome back to another episode of the Mama Bites podcast. We have one of my very favorite guests. Um, She has been my co-host for many times and I know that you probably miss her as much as I do in that capacity. Jessica Foley is our interview today and she is our interview because whether you know it or not, she's actually a specialist in postpartum mood disorders and has been working with women in her psychotherapy practice for over 10 years. And she's completely amazing and and incredibly humble. And you'll hear how humble she is. Um, she was very um, serious and proper as, as, as the two of us can possibly get when we're um, chatting together. Uh, if you don't know much about Jess, I do encourage you to hop over to her website, jessicafoley.com. And, uh, you know, if you don't have that off the top of your head, feel free to drop over uh, to the Mama Bites podcast show notes um, on the website, uh, mamabites.com. And we'll have all these links. But uh, Jess, if you don't know much about her, she started out uh, working with families and women um, at the Boston Area Rape Crisis Center. And she has continued working with women for her entire practice. She studied mindfulness and psychotherapy. And she is also a certified Daring Way facilitator, which means she has studied with uh, Brene Brown herself. That's that's. That's the royal blessing right there. (laughs) And she'll hate that I'm doing this awesome introduction for her because she's completely wonderful, but uh, can't stand to hear her credentials uh, and qualifications read out loud, but we'll make her deal with that anyway. So I'm super psyched for this interview. I know that you're going to love it. You're going to find out so much about postpartum mood disorders. And this is actually uh, part one of a two-part series. I'm actually also going to be speaking with psychotherapist and former postpartum doula, Divya Kumar, uh, for part two. So stay tuned for that part as well. And other things that are coming up that you can stay tuned for, pretty soon there will be a pre-order button on the Mama Bites podcast website for the self-care for new moms book coming out this summer. I'm super psyched to get that rolling and there will definitely be some pre-order benefits and so you can stay tuned for that. I hope you enjoy my chat with Jess. Are you ready to be on the Mama Bites podcast as an expert? You're ready. I think our listeners miss you, so I think this is going to be a very exciting. I, I do miss it. You do miss it. <laughs> you are welcome to come back and like do a one shot every so often. You know, like yeah. whenever you want to. Yes, yes, please, for sure. All right. We could, we could do that. All right, all right, all right. We might hold it to that. We might hold it to that. Maybe we'll put out like a doodle poll or something of like, what would you most want to hear Jessica co-host? Oh, geez. That's a good good idea. That is actually a good idea. (laughs) So you're going to be, you're on the the Mama Bites podcast today because you're, you're, you're my PMADS expert. Oh my goodness. A lot of, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I wish I had like a, and since you're over the phone, I don't even have like a bright light I can shine in your eyes. I know. (laughs) All right. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about how I became an expert? I do want you to tell me about that. How did you know? Uh, intuition. Yes. And my expertise. Yes. Yes. Both of those. <laughs> and we talked about it right before. And when you- so, <laughs> um, so initially, I guess my 
I don't want to take us too far back in the Wayback Machine, but yeah. I, uh, I have always be, been interested in women's uh, mental health around reproductive issues. Mm. Um, and I started out in reproductive health care and kind of migrated over to working with teenage girls and then started working with moms. And when I opened my private practice, I got a client almost immediately who was experiencing what I thought was some postpartum depression and realized really quickly I was in over my head Mm. and I didn't know enough about that. Mm. And when that happens to me, I tend to go to the nearest training Mm -hmm. (laughs) and immerse myself. Um, And so I did. I got trained with Karen Kleiman, who wrote um, several books Mm. now on postpartum depression, and she was really one of the, I don't know what the best term, godmothers of Mm. work Mm. with postpartum depression. And um, her, you know, first book was called uh, This Isn't What I Expected, Mm. which I think is pretty, a pretty fair statement for most moms. For sure. For sure. (laughs) And, um... And so, yeah, I got trained with Karen, and it was amazing. Mm. Um, And that training was really essential to the work that I do now and the kind of therapy that I do now, not just with moms, but with all women. Mm. Um, And then I also got trained by Postpartum Support International, which is a larger organization, and they have now developed a more formalized training with a certificate program. and I was able to obtain the certificate, and really all that means is uh, I have I have taken all their trainings and successfully passed a test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess to that point, um, I think it's really important to find someone who has been trained in some capacity, mm-hmm. which is harder in maybe more rural areas, mm-hmm. but I do think if you're struggling, it is such a specialized area. Um, Mm. You really want someone who has a little bit of not only education, but experience under their belt with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, and we're going to come back to more about like how to find that too, Um, which is, that's an awesome PSA for sure. um, Because I think a lot of the time um, providers say that they, do that yeah. work and they that isn't necessarily their training and it is a whole different kettle of fish for sure yes mm-hmm. so why do you love working with moms with um pmads oh i love it so much oh, well i have to say i didn't know i was going to love it mm. um because when it happened the first time i was so freaked out um but after i went to the training <laughs> and was with karen and Um, started seeing more and more moms it's just amazing Mm -hmm. to see how quickly people tend to get better Mm -hmm. and um, how how much better they feel whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes when I'm treating this is like very therapisty but sometimes when I'm treating other types of issues the progress can feel much more slow Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes just a few days difference um in a mom is i don't know it just is it's very impactful (laughs) to see someone get better at such at such a crucial time Mm -hmm. um in in their lives and just from a personal perspective um you know i definitely can say that my i believe my own mother struggled with pretty bad postpartum depression Mm. and um you know, that was something really interesting for me to explore as well, just thinking about um, what that must have been like, mm. since there wasn't a name for this problem no. back in the day. No. And, you know, she, she did not get treatment. And so um, I think that sort of like lends itself to my passion for the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I know that you're super passionate about the work and, um, I love, I love that what you bring to it. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be an annoying love fest for most of this interview. So <laughs> it's 
a mutual love fest. Yes, thank goodness, thank goodness. <laughs> so we're doing that um, super annoying therapist thing that I, that I'm I know I'm doing it is um, we're saying PMADS. Um, maybe we should define that term. <laughs> what? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, the actual acronym, yeah, um, postpartum mood, mood disorders, disorders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. postpartum mood and adjustment disorders, mm. is that what, I forget the actual. I, I, I just, yeah, I hear it bandied about all the time, and I'm like, is there an A in there? Is there not an A in there? I feel like um, I see. Postpartum mood and anxiety disorders is the actual PMAD acronym. Acronym. But um, people call it lots of different names. And I think most commonly we hear postpartum depression mm-hmm. um, as really an umbrella term for many different things. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So let's let's sort of like backtrack in terms of like what we're exactly talking about with the different types under this big umbrella of postpartum depression and postpartum mood disorders and anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Like... I hear so much about the baby blues and, and, you know, I think it's so hard for moms to know what the difference is. Like, what is the difference really between like the baby blues and PPD? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, the way that I have been taught and the way that I think about it and the way I explain it to moms is that I think it falls on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like at the very outskirts of that spectrum is the baby blues, which is typically a really normal part of motherhood. Most moms get it. It says about 80% on the PSI website, um, the Postpartum Support International website. Mm -hmm. Um, And it usually happens pretty rapidly, like three to five days after giving birth. Mm -hmm. And it is pretty directly related to some hormonal stuff. Mm -hmm. We're finding out more and more. And it's pretty rapid. So mm-hmm. I think when we're talking about the difference between the baby blues and like postpartum depression or anxiety, the, the main key things that we're looking for are how often and how much. So like the duration, how much, like we wanna know how long it's happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're having like a moment after you have a baby three to five days after giving birth where you're crying at like commercials, Mm -hmm. sort of like the typical picture of what Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. people are thinking about, um, or feeling, you know, overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and need a hot minute. And that is relieved when you talk about it or when you cry about it or (laughs) it goes away over time, over a couple of days. Yeah. Um, usually within one to two weeks total. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not and it's persisting and or getting worse, then we would probably consider that on the spectrum of postpartum depression or anxiety. But I want to be clear too, um, you know, the, I don't know if if you really want me to get into all this, but the... um, diagnosis of postpartum depression is relatively new Hmm. um, in terms of actually using that as a insurance-based diagnosis that um, they'll pay for. It used to just be like you would have regular depression with a postpartum onset. Um, Oh, really? It's it's new even within our field (laughs) or being recognized even within our field relatively recently. Wow. Huh. I know. <laughs> and so that brings up kind of like, uh, I think that segues really nicely into the question of like, how is it different than regular old depression in big quotes? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I think the biggest difference is the timing, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that it is postpartum onset. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, it's, such a a more complex picture because some of the more typical indicators that we would look for for depression would be fairly normal in a new mom. So you're Mm. not sleeping? Yeah, of course you're not sleeping. (laughs) So some of the questions we ask, we might phrase a little differently, like when you have the opportunity to sleep, are you able to fall asleep? Um, and And a new mom who maybe wasn't experiencing 
postpartum anxiety or depression might be like, heck yeah, I can sleep even when I'm, you know, standing up at the sink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sleeping right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so that those are like really, you know, some of the more intricate, it's the more intricacies or subtleties, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I just think those circumstances are so special and so unique. Um, that's kind of like one of the, the bigger differences. And also I forgot to mention along that spectrum, um, I didn't finish the spectrum. Can I go back to the Yes, spectrum? yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> along that spectrum, you're going to also see anxiety. So like on one side, you have women that present more classically depressed, like all of the things we think about with depression, like having trouble getting out of bed, yeah. no appetite yeah. or overeating, yeah. like sort of the more classical depressive symptoms. symptoms yeah. And then you sort of move into anxiety. And at the extreme edge of that, you have OCD type symptoms. Okay. Um, obsessional and compulsive symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, like and so thoughts and behaviors. Women mean? fall anywhere in between that range. Okay. You know? And it's pretty rare in my own experience treating women, it's, it's pretty rare that I have someone who's very classically falling into postpartum depression. Most moms get a healthy dose of both uh-huh. in depression. And most of the moms that I see who are ambitious, type A, well-educated, you know, kind of have their shit together moms, uh-huh. they are anxious as hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> But you don't know anything about that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So that that's a special. And then important to note, I think, you know, the media ha- has given us a picture of postpartum depression that is pretty inaccurate mm. because it's such an umbrella term. And so when people think about, I don't even really want to mention it because it's so not what we're talking about, but, um, you know, some of the more heavy cases in the news where there have been harm to moms Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. harm to children, Mm -hmm. that's postpartum psychosis. Right. So it's a totally different animal. Um, I I would say in my experience now, 11 years treating women Mm. and having been trained, I have maybe seen that one time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's very rare. (laughs) Thank goodness. So Mm -hmm. I think... In general, moms can feel scared to ask for help or to um, acknowledge that they might be feeling this way because of fear around being perceived that they have that kind of disorder. Sure. Um, Does that make sense? For sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that, yeah, those images get very scary and then it, it it becomes and I think also on top of that I I feel like moms are so less likely to honor their own experience they're so focused on the care of others that you know we're so likely to just sort of like oh this is how it is or I'm just gonna have to suck it up and deal or whatever and and don't realize like no it doesn't have to be this way or I think that's so important, um, what you just said. I I feel like, you know, it goes to, like, expectations. Mm. And you've never had a baby before. Like, Mm. that's the population we're talking about right now. Mm. But, you know, if you've never had a baby before and you haven't really maybe even been around children much, or even if you have, Mm. um, (laughs) you can't know what that experience will be like until you're living it. Mm -hmm. And so... I kind of, I try to remind women about getting your, getting your period, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can hear from a thousand people what that's going to be like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about it excitedly because I was so excited. (laughs) 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 Disturbing. Um, (laughs) You can hear, you can ask a thousand people, 13 year old Jessica, what that will be like. But until it actually happens, for you and you have your experience, you can't know. Yeah. You just can't know. Yeah. yeah. And it might totally surprise you in ways that you weren't prepared for. Yeah. Because no one told you that your vulva might hurt. Right. <laughs> or whatever. Right. For example. <laughs> Asking for a friend. 
<laughs> this is taking a turn. Uh, so, so I think the same is true of motherhood, and I imagine, as I have not gone through it yet, menopause. Right. Um, you know, I just think it's a time in women's lives where we have a lot of information that may not necessarily be accurate from what we see around us and from those societal pressures and expectations Mm. of what a mom should be Mm -hmm. and should do. We like to refer to them as the myths of motherhood, right? right? Right. Um, And so I agree. Moms have no idea that they shouldn't be feeling this way Mm -hmm. or that Mm -hmm. it's abnormal Mm -hmm. to feel this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. just think, of course, this is just part of it. Like, this just must be what my new life is like now. Right. This is the new normal. Right, right, right. Um, and I think it can be really hard to decipher what is just having a newborn and what is I'm severely depressed. And right, anxious. right. Um, mm. And tough for providers to find that out and tough for moms to talk about it and find that out, too. Sure. And put it into words, too. Yeah. And I yeah, would, I would yeah. even sort of um, bolster further what they, what you're saying in terms of like my own experience, which is um, even if you've had a baby and you know what that's like, you've never had one, this baby or two, that experience of this number of babies. So, you know, like yes. first one was a little challenging for me or, you know, challenging in specific ways. But, you know, as you've heard me say over and over on this podcast, the second one is the one that kicked my ass. <laughs> because I thought I knew and I had all these expectations and then again sort of didn't have the experience of having a second baby and knowing what it could be like and even differentiating between like am I just completely overwhelmed because there are so many things going on or you know chemically what's happening for me yeah yeah that is so true and I'm so glad you said that and I'm I'm so glad actually that you're willing and able to share your experience that way because I guess it is important to note that Jessica is not a mom, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is kind of, you know, the fascinating piece of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that's absolutely true that it could be your seventh kid (laughs) and, you know, this baby could be different or the experience of having the seventh sure. was the thing that really Just tipped your tipped right the scales. End. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Of course. Of course. So when should we be looking for these? When, you know, when are, when are moms most vulnerable? Like when are, when are we looking them for them to, to show up and yeah. screen for that? That's a really good question. And one that I think is being explored um, in our field right now and under some more scrutiny. So typically what happens, God, I'm using that word a lot today. (laughs) What I see happen a lot is moms go in for their six-week checkups, Mm -hmm. so six weeks after they've had a baby, which could have been a relatively great experience Mm -hmm. or a horrific Mm -hmm. traumatic experience, even if the delivery was quote unquote normal, Normal, um, it may have felt traumatic in Mm -hmm. some way. For sure. Um, and so they're seeing their provider six weeks after that mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. and getting um, kind of like a pop quiz yeah. of postpartum symptoms mm-hmm. called the Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty short and doesn't really give a ton of information. Mm-hmm. And it's very um, black and white. So yeah. It doesn't really give a lot of leeway to be like, well, sometimes I feel this way, right. but yeah. 99% of the time I feel this other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it can feel kind of misleading. I also think oftentimes the providers don't, don't really explain the Edinburgh. It's just sort of handed to you in a packet of other paperwork yeah. that you have to sign. Yep. Um, and so it's not... Um, not really explained and so when moms see that they could be like oh god this is where they're going to decide i'm crazy and take away my baby right right right, right, (laughs) i need to tell them i'm perfectly fine right right yeah um so i think unless providers are really talking about that form and talking about postpartum depression um you know i don't know that that six-week visit is always the time when moms are necessarily caught yeah um so now what we're looking at is 
getting moms in sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of practices are looking at possibly doing a three-week visit, yeah. which I think makes sense so much more so in terms of more. not only mental health, but physical health. Yeah, life circumstances. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and the other, the other place or opportunity that, that people have to kind of get diagnosed um, in the natural course of things is at their pediatrician's office, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. that's probably going to be your first appointment after you have a baby. And the Edinburgh is often given at a pediatrician's. But again, I, I actually don't really know how much, um, how much, how much that's talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I haven't been to that appointment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I can only speak anecdotally, you know, from my own experience that it was that it was presented over and over, which I I do. Um, I I think that's a great thing, and that might just be literally the practice that I take my kids to. Um, but the thing that I would also say, sort of like um, supporting what you're saying about like this is where they take away my baby, it does. I feel like the Edinburgh is really necessary, and yet sometimes I just don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. It can feel a little bit um, Cosmo quizzy, in which you you kind of know how you're supposed to answer. You know the right answers, yeah. <laughs> versus how you feel, and I think I think you're saying so beautifully too. Is like. Well, 25% of the time I have that thought and it scares me and I don't like it and it's really uncomfortable, but it's not like, and I'm never going to do it. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I know how, one, I know how I'm supposed to answer this, how my providers want me to answer this in some ways. Right. <laughs> and two, like it's only 20, it's only one quarter of the time <laughs> versus right, like, right. So how important or right, indicative is it? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. Exactly. So, so I think in general, moms are getting quote unquote diagnosed or at least referred to a mental health provider, usually at like, you know, six weeks. I would say most of the moms I see are at that point, six mm. to eight weeks out. Okay. Usually. Okay. Um, does that even answer the question? What was the question? Yeah, when <laughs> when are they? When do they tend to show up? Like when, when are? Yeah, what's the window? Two weeks usually, yeah, right? Yeah. So again, if they if you're maybe experiencing those baby blue symptoms and they're lasting beyond two to three weeks, okay, um, persisting beyond that, that's when we start to look. And as for the cutoff, um, yeah. you know, I've heard really varying things about that, even after a year yeah um up to after a year so i believe you know it's a pretty big range i and you know there's so much that's still being studied Mm. um i just want to make sure people know that that like again because this is a female problem a lady issue we Mm. don't really have a shit ton of research on it yeah so (laughs) yep a lot of that work is actually being done in massachusetts which is really awesome but um yeah, yay, MGH. But, um, you know, again, we don't we don't have a ton of um, data, and I think initially, you know, there, there can be a lot of misguidance, I guess, around, mm. you know, is it postpartum, is it not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When is it just plain old depression, mm-hmm, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I really want to underline that, that idea that, that there is this huge range and that I think, you know, sort of the moms that, that I've seen and sort of come across and even just, you know, not just talking with people in my practice, but so much as like talking with people that I've met who say like, well, I'm a year out. Well, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. right? And yep. that, that doesn't... Yep. Yeah, and I think I, I often too see moms who say, well, I think I had it. Yeah, yeah. Like, now looking back, I think I had it. Right. And I'm like, oh, you had it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just yeah, take, I think, off, off the beginning of that sentence. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Who tends to be the most susceptible to them? Is there any rhyme or reason for that? Traumatic births or past mental health issues? Like, what? what's the rhyme or reason? Yeah. Here? Great question. Um, so I think that's actually really interesting to think about because the other thing that's starting to occur in the field is, um, 
moms actually getting information about this before, like during their pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we've mentioned this before, but I work in conjunction with an OBGYN office, mm-hmm. and um, they they are great um, because I'm involved. They're great mm-hmm. <laughs> at sort of pre doing psychoeducation around it and Mm. also screening Mm -hmm. um and i always tell them if you can get me a mom before they give birth Mm. just to create a foundation and a connection yeah if they don't get it great (laughs) yeah 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 champagne problem when we're talking when we're talking about like are there predictors um we're really looking at like risk risk factors and so well there can, it can seem oftentimes like there's no rhyme or reason. There are some things that give you a higher risk of having it, and that are, um, you know, just to, to be more watchful, mm-hmm. I guess would be mm-hmm. a good way to say. Um, and so those are exactly what you were talking about. So things like um, past trauma, past incidences of anxiety or depression, um, a traumatic birth experience, a traumatic pregnancy, mm. a baby in the NICU. Mm. Um, uh, what else? Cesarean for sure. Okay. Um, so, and like these are not, I always try to say like, it's not a death sentence. It's not like you have X and so you're definitely going to get Y. Yeah. It's more like you are now, you know, more likely to perhaps get it. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, if we can start to identify women before they give birth and maybe just give them the option of more support and building that foundation with a mental health provider before they give birth, um, I just think it increases the chances that we could catch something sooner. Um, and yeah, so those are some of the risk factors. There are other risk factors as well right now. In this country, um, being African-American is a risk factor Mm. because we aren't taking good care of African-American moms in particular. Mm. Okay. Um, And that's what the studies are, the statistics are showing as there was an article in the Globe just the other day. Um, Wow. So I think um, it can also be impacted by, um, you know, being a a single mom, Mm. um, being a mom that doesn't have a great support network. These are all things that can contribute or be, you know, identified as a potential risk factor. Wow, There's probably some that I'm missing, um, and I apologize for not having a complete and full list that's at okay. this moment. Yeah. <laughs> we can put them on the website. We can put them on the website. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to pause here. And be- Postpartum Support International is a great resource. Okay. Um, their website has a lot of statistics and information that is probably the most up-to-date. Also, Karen's website is amazing, the Postpartum Stress Center um, in Pennsylvania. Her work is awesome. And actually, I wanted to say on that note, Karen has her own um, evaluation that I use with moms that I like so much better. Ooh, that's helpful. Yeah. Is that on her website? It's a bit longer, but I think provides a better... Picture just a better system. Yeah. yeah. So we know what some of the, the increased risk factors are. Um, what are the types of treatment that are available for, um, for these conditions? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, I think the, the sort of like thing I've been hearing or the gold standard lately has been CBT, which I do think is super helpful. Um, and that's cognitive behavioral therapy because oftentimes it is our thoughts that are getting in the way, um, especially when we're feeling depressed or anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and also those thoughts that end up being kind of along the lines, the myths of motherhood, like I should be able to do this all on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, she is my baby. I should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so CBT can be really helpful and effective, but I would venture to say that any supportive therapeutic relationship um, 
is going to be useful mm. okay. <laughs> in healing yeah. <laughs> with a trained provider. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the type of treatment I don't know is as important as being in it right. um, with someone who has experience with postpartum mood disorders. Um, and the other sort of treatment that we see a lot of is adjunctively medication mm. and I am a big supporter of medication actually mm-hmm. um, and I would say that most of the moms I see are on a combination of um, usually a, a low dose of something like Zoloft mm-hmm. um, and you know are for a brief period of time perhaps taking an anti-anxiety medication as well um, just periodically uh, mm-hmm. usually to help with sleep okay um, and you know doing therapy in the beginning depending on the severity you know one to two times a week um, to sort of lay the foundation and get some real assistance and in the beginning I do think the therapy can look a little more case managementy mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. what supports do we need in place to give you the self-care that you need right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, um, I would say, like in addition to therapy and potentially the use of medication, um, you know, that sort of like bigger bigger network piece of like w- what else is helpful in your life and how can we tap that. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Yes, yes, for yeah. sure, for sure. And so, like, thinking about those two pieces working together, um, like, how, what might a mom expect from a first session with with a therapist, um, and how might that be different, like, than with a psychiatrist? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, In general, your first session with a therapist is going to be kind of around taking history. I will say with moms, I do take history, but I'm really interested in the present. Um, Mm. I really want to know what's happening right now in these past few weeks. Um, So I definitely want to know about that thing with your mom that you always fight about, but I also (laughs) really want to know, like, how often are you sleeping? Yes, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, So I think um, it can look a a teensy bit different Mm. from maybe a regular psychotherapy session. Interesting. as opposed to a psychiatry intake, which in my experience is much more symptom focused. Mm-hmm. So um, they're looking at like the acuity of specific symptoms from a medical standpoint and alleviating or relieving those symptoms with the use of medication. Right. Um, does that make sense? For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think moms have to weigh that decision carefully. Um, I'm like banding about medication like it ain't no thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say Zoloft is the medication we know the most about mm. um, and via research. And, um, you know, it's definitely a very personal decision mm-hmm. because we are taught about breastfeeding and how important that is. And many moms are weary and leery about putting anything else into their body that's going to be ending up in their baby. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. course they are. Sure. So um, we look at that as well and try to help moms make the best decision for them. If you take a medication, um, Zoloft specifically, I know, you do not need to stop breastfeeding. Mm. Um, that is one of the drugs that we have well studied um, in conjunction with breastfeeding. And so... I totally got us sidetracked, but... No, you, no, you didn't. No, you <laughs> That's didn't. kind of the first session. And actually, at the end of my first sessions um, with moms, I have what looks like a prescription. <laughs> Very cool. That actually has things that you need to do. Yeah. Like, take a walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get some rest. Yeah. Uh, you know, send someone for something for you yeah like send someone on an errand for you yeah it's kind of around asking for help and looking more closely at your own needs yeah um and that is kind of what i task them with yeah. in the immediate future yeah incredibly important important 
I love that. I haven't I haven't seen your prescription pad. I would love that. Oh, I'll have to show it to you. Yes. And actually, that's not that's not me. That's all Karen. That's Karen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all Karen Kleiman. It's, it's yours now. <laughs> Though I hear you giving credit. That's excellent. Okay, so how is there an average? Are there statistics on how these how long these tend to last for people? And I realize that that might be different for for women who get treatment versus women who don't. I don't, And I don't even know if this has been studied, if I'm asking you a question that's answerable. I'm just going to be really honest and say I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there probably are some, there's probably some research out there, and I would encourage people to look at the Postpartum Support International website um, for, for information. But, um, you know, with treatment, I think moms get quicker pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, that was my dog. <laughs> No, get in the house. Sorry. <laughs> That's how it sounds. That's how sometimes we feel when we're having that experience. Ooh. Oh, I'm so sorry. You want to bay at the moon. Does it get worse now that there's a full moon? Does he bay more at the full moon? He doesn't like fire trucks. And there's oh. A fire truck by. <laughs> he was just singing along, really. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, duration. Yes. How long does it usually last? Um, or how long does it take for moms to get better? What was the question? Yeah. What's, what, what are, what's known about sort of duration and, you know, in terms of how long this lasts and and treatment versus non-treated, you know, it sounds like it's just. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a ton of specifics around that, but I can say anecdotally in the moms that I see within three to four weeks, sometimes sooner, they're feeling much better um, upon getting help. Right. Um, You know, without help, I mean, I also have seen moms, like I said, like well into like the second year of their baby Mm. feeling terrible Mm -hmm. and only now, you know, realizing. So whether or not we'd classify that, I'm less interested. I'm more interested in like, now you're depressed and right. treat it. Like, right, right. <laughs> Whatever the name is, we need to help you feel better. Whatever the name is, yeah. Yeah. help. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I would encourage people to check out that if they're interested on more um, up-to-date statistical information. Yes, for sure. So I realize this isn't on the question list, so I'm going to throw you a curveball, but you're trust me, you're totally prepared, which is... Um, you know, something I know about your work and I love about your work is, um, talking about good enough parenting, good enough mothering. And, um, I was, I was sort of, um, hoping that you might kind of introduce us to that and how that fits with, with treating postpartum mood disorders. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Good enough mothering. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is a topic that, I try to introduce to every client, um, you know, there, there were some interesting studies done back in the day Mm -hmm. before we had animal rights advocacy and ethics ethics boards. Um, (laughs) uh, a gentleman named Harlow, uh, and it's funny, I'm still reading his His biography, fascinating, um, he did a bunch of studies around baby monkeys and attachment. Mm. So he was looking at, you know, how how baby monkeys attach to their moms and kind of what, what that system looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, because the current thought, this is important, the current thought at the time yeah. <laughs> was that you should touch your baby the least amount yeah, you, you ruin them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That love you didn't do matter. Do not pick <laughs> them up. Do not comfort them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Awful. Leave them in a nursery and, you know, peek in, make sure they're breathing every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> so ridiculous, yeah. So Harlow, you know, he was like, I think maybe that's wrong. <laughs> we might be on the wrong track here. Yeah. Mm. So he did a bunch of experiments, but... The one that is kind of the most informative or telling to us are um, with 
baby monkeys and fake moms. Mm. So he would give them, and you can see the, the disturbing pictures yes. of this online. <laughs> we'll put the link on the, the site. The monkey moms look very scary. He they would do. give them these like sort of coat hanger style moms mm. um, that had a, sort of a menacing monkey style face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they were not warm, loving moms. It was just sort of like a wire frame. Mm -hmm. And they had nipples, so they were feeding the baby monkeys. But they were were not, uh, like, likable, I guess, Mm -hmm. or snuggly or cuddly or anything Mm -hmm. like moms usually are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the baby monkeys would feed from them, but after a little bit, what they noticed is all of the baby monkeys started to have like failure to thrive type mm-hmm. symptoms. Um, and some of them even died. So oh <laughs> the monkeys weren't getting what they needed, mm-hmm. even though they had this opportunity for food. Yeah. Um, and so his next step was to throw, and I'm simplifying this study, FYI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his next step was to throw a washcloth on the wire frame. Yeah. And the baby monkeys did great. Yeah. they had a snuggly mom that gave them food and they did so much better Um, and so I relate this story to to say sometimes you just need to be a coat hanger with a washcloth (laughs) and a food source like you do not need to be doing everything to the best of your ability Mm. you just need sometimes to like be present and like phone it in like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that is sort of the brief overview um and probably somewhat uh inaccurate description of harlow's studies (laughs) with baby monkeys helpful helpful good enough mothering Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i i do really love that because i think again the pressure is so high but then when you look at what babies really need to thrive, mm-hmm. it's not that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is that much, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like constant care. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's um, all. <laughs> it's not, um, you don't need to be uh, doing the baby Einstein work. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. Baby music yeah. classes and all all of the... Exactly. Yeah. yeah the, that's the, definitely what I mean. Yeah. Oh, the ways that we punish ourselves for not doing a good enough job and et cetera, when really that's all they need is some, yeah. some, yeah. some food and Comfort, some snuggles. Love, yeah. Care. You know, and that's actually really important too. Cause I think one of the myths of motherhood is that you love this creature as soon as it comes out nope. um, <laughs> or it's handed to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think you fall in love with yeah. your baby over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have a baby, so I can't say for sure, but in this, <laughs> in the moms that I've treated, mm-hmm. um, I do see that yeah. where they don't feel as attached as they think they should. For sure. Um, and I'm like, let that come. Mm-hmm. This is a stranger who's been taking a lot from you mm-hmm. <laughs> for many months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you didn't fall in love with your husband instantaneously or your partner, I should say instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah. It may take a while to get to know this little baby, you know, as a human um, and like love them for the qualities. So, um, I can understand that it's, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, it must be incredibly hard to take home like a tiny alien being and, provide for it when maybe you aren't feeling all that attached to it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, I get it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I can get that. For sure. Yeah. And I, I, you know, like I would just echo in, in my experience that, that your love might be even different and you might fall in love in different ways with each baby differently mm-hmm. and that, you know, that's okay too, but that's really hard. And yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you're saying this. I wish I listened to this <laughs> podcast when I had my baby. Oh, so that, you know, Thank you. yeah. I mean, I think you're saying, you're sort of saying it already, but what do you really feel like moms want to, that you want moms to take away from this? What do you want them to know? Oh man. I mean, so many things, but like you're, you're, you're good enough. You're doing great. Mm. You're perfect as is you know, and that you don't need to suffer. Mm. Um, so if you're feeling not yourself 
um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're experiencing any of these like symptoms that we talked about, like talk to someone, talk to, like be an advocate, call a doctor, and if you can't do that right now, make someone else do it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think really advocating and trying to um, express that you need help um, is super important, mm-hmm. and so. You know, these symptoms are important. If you're feeling off or feeling funny, report. Just go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the, the help definitely is out there. Um, and, you know, the adage that it takes a village, I'm sure people are tired of hearing you say it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do believe that. I believe that our, you know, sense of community um, is is not there Mm -hmm. um and yet we're all connected all the time socially with the media yeah (laughs) um but that doesn't translate to like actual action oftentimes yeah in people's lives so i'm veering off the topic but no i don't think you are i think you're not alone mama yeah and there is help available Mm -hmm. and you're doing awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) best where can moms find you I'm all over the place. You're all over the place. Clearly. Um, <laughs> I am on Twitter mm-hmm. um, at Just Fully LMHC. I am on Instagram at Just Fully M A L M H C. And I'm on uh, the Facebook, mm-hmm. Just Fully M A L M H C. I also have a website which has some good info on it. So much I, good. On info. social media, I try to post good information for moms Mm -hmm. um you know and yeah that's where i am i'm also at the boston OBGYN office on wednesday morning usually yeah and uh i'm i'm over here in my office in waltham do you have any space in your practice now Uh, i do have space in my practice right now you do and which is not always the case for sure to see moms online mm-hmm. if you live in the lucky states of California or Arizona. Mm-hmm. Or, f- or further away in Massachusetts, <laughs> right? Or like maybe in the Berkshires of Massachusetts too, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're in Massachusetts and you're far away, that is something we could consider as well. Mm-hmm. Although I will say I do love in-person therapy. The For best. sure. Absolutely. Me too. Well, you're the best. You're the like uh you're the best no i just i'm just sitting here thinking like i'm so glad that i twisted your arm and forced you (laughs) to do this because you're so smart it's ridiculous you don't you don't even know how much you know it's ridiculous that's so funny because literally as you're saying that i'm like i i hope all those things I said were right (laughs) (laughs) no they are but they are right yeah um, I have a lot of Mm self-doubt and so sometimes I get a little nervous Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm happy to talk about it there's this is a topic I could talk about like I could come back you know I'm gonna kick myself or something (laughs) more times to talk about this some more but (laughs) we've got it on Um, yeah I really passionate about it and I love it So, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Thank you. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, the Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.